find out what you have to offer. And then I would say, go out and find out who are the players in your market that you want to play ball in. Find out who, who's the players and find out their needs and give them value. Whether it's your time, your energy, your money, your contacts, find a way to bring value to them and learn as much as you can. Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. Today we are going to talk about fix and flip investing and the today's guest is Corey Nimoto. He's the co-owner and founder of Kiko Capital. He began his real estate investing career in 2011 in Southern California. Uh, Corey has been involved in multiple investment deals ranging from relocation, renovation, and new home development projects. So I am looking forward to learning from Corey today. Welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So Corey, I hope I did justice to your bio and I want to remind people that Corey has worked with the Beardy Brandon, Brandon Turner from <laughs> Bigger Pockets as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Brandon and uh, David's friends of ours. And I love those guys. You know, as, as much um, influence as they have, you know, like they're so down to earth. Just great people, you know. I, I yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us something interesting or funny about yourself. Um, Interesting or funny. I don't think there's much funny, but a lot of interesting is my life, I think, as a whole is pretty interesting. You know, I never thought it would be, uh, um, I guess, as crazy as it is now, but I currently own um, and have ownership in multiple companies, all kind of within the real estate realm. Nice. So I we, we flip houses, we do ground up construction in um, Hawaii, Seattle, and uh, we had a, couple, a project in Vegas, which we just sold this uh, past year. So I'm kind of across the board. We have, we vertically integrated our companies. So we have ownership of a real estate brokerage in Seattle, construction company, uh, property management company, and of course our, our fund. So my day-to-day, -day, I, I, I manage all the Hawaii projects and our um, investment fund, our hard money fund, Keiko Capital. Nice. So why did you start investing in real estate? <clears throat> um, that's a good question. I, I did, I, what really kind of sparked my interest was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, right. it changed my life. You know? A lot of us did, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just made so much sense to me. And um, I was uh, kind of on the path of being a career student. You know, it's like, uh, it took me like right. seven years to get my degree. And um, I, every year that went by, I got, I felt more and more anxious. Like, I don't know if this is really what I want to do, you know, spend thousands of dollars and years of my life to get a degree in a field that I'm, pro I'm like, I can't see myself doing forever, you know? So I was, um, 
getting a little concerned as it was getting to my final year in college. And then I finally read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And after that, you know, I got linked up with the local investment club in uh, Riverside, California, and kind of uh, started door knocking for a couple of mentors of mine when I was first starting out. And uh, that's where I kind of really got my start. And the strategy that they were using was um, very interesting. You know, to this day, I haven't seen any other investors utilizing this strategy. Um, And and partly it's because the market doesn't favor the strategy. It's kind of, they were flipping notes, basically. Oh, okay. So um, back in 2012, um, when I kind of started door knocking for them, the market was still recovering. Um, in Southern California from the Great Recession. And there was a lot of people upside down with um, jumbo non-conforming loans on the property. So banks wanted to basically liquidate those um, notes because they're high risk. And so these investors would go and negotiate with the homeowner's bank to buy the note at a deep discount. And then they would have the the homeowner go and refinance the loan from the investor. So for instance, if they, if the property was worth, uh, or if they owed 1.2 million and the property was worth uh, 1 million, so they're upside down, you know, 200,000, the, my mentors would go and negotiate with the, with the homeowner's uh, bank, whoever's holding the note and negotiated to buy it at a deep discount, like maybe 800,000. And then uh, they would have the homeowner go and refinance at like 900,000, you know, so it, the homeowner wins. Flipping and, you know, you don't even have to take care of the property. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So the homeowner wins because they're no longer upside down. You know, they, now they owe 900,000 instead of 1.2 on a property that's, that's only valued at a million dollars. And then the banks, you know, they got to get what they wanted because they got to liquidate, you know, a high risk asset off their books. Um, and the reason why is because usually the banks sell the notes to like Fannie Mae. Yeah. They sell it on the secondary marketplace to like big institutions like Fannie Mae. But um, when it's a non-conforming loan, they can't sell it to Fannie Mae. That's why they have right. to keep it in their own portfolio, which... Um, during that time, banks wanted the cash instead of the, you know, these high risk loans. So that's where the investor came in and the investor got to make like a hundred grand roughly. Right. right. On the deal. Right. So, so that's, that's interesting. So everybody won. And that really showed me the power of real estate and that real investing in real estate isn't just buy and rent and you're a landlord, you know, there's multiple different yeah. um, paths to wealth creation. Hey, so can you talk about your, own first real estate deal? Sure. Um, my actual first deal was a wholesale deal oh, okay. that I did. Yep. I did. Um, I, it was an off market deal and it was structured as a subject to deal. So I, uh, one of my friends who's a, he's a good friend now and he's a mentor of mine. Like he was, um, he was my buyer. So I wholesaled it to him. His name is Jonah. And he, uh, I asked if I could tag along with him for the, to see the project and the process through while he flipped the house. And so um, I wholesaled him the deal made about 15,000 and uh, got to do the project with him. And, and he made really good money on that deal, like 
um, over 150,000 on that one house flip. And so, and I got to learn, you know, right alongside him. And I, to this day, like I, he's one of the guys I call if, you know, I, I'm about to (laughs) do something that I think might be a little uh, risky or anything. Like there's a few people I call and uh, Jonah's definitely one of them. And he's taught me about, um, you know, ground up development and how to take raw land and actually build houses there and roads and infrastructure. So I owe a lot to Jonah and a lot of mentors that, you know, I, I kind of linked up with on my way, you know, through my own journey. <laughs> That's awesome. So can you define fix and flip investing for us? Cause I thought flip means, you know, you buy the house and, you know, you renovate it and then sell it. So what do you mean by fix and flip investing? Well, fix and flip that it, fix and flip investing is is exactly what you said. You know, we buy, fix, sell. Um, but flipping properties or flipping in real estate, um, you could be flipping contracts. You know, you could be a wholesaler, right? So, um, uh, even though you're not really actually flipping the house, you know, you're selling the contract. Um, your job is to find deals and find you know buyers and uh, give your buyers or your, your clients um, great deals so that they keep coming back to you, you know? And uh, right. if you can master that, if you can master the first phase of this, which is acquisition, um, if you can master acquisitions, which, con- you know, con- contains like, um, I guess, finding and funding deals. If you can find deals and fund deals, uh, you can be very wealthy in this industry. Right. Because right. that's uh, the two main things. That's like the, the genesis of wealth creation is finding deals and funding deals. Got it. So uh, and when you are investing in a fix flip, uh, do you personally buy the property and then flip it or you are just acting as a private money lender to another flipper? Um, well, it's actually kind of both like now today. So we uh, we still buy ourselves we buy fix and sell um more recently i have right now 11 houses in hawaii that's going up um where we we bought it just dirt and uh we're building houses so oh, okay but that's still to me in my eyes considered like a an equity play so um right. you know short term you know it's not passive income for sure because uh hawaii is not a cash flow market you know just like the bay area is right. it's not a cash flow market, you know, because it's just it's a high negative. You're going right, to yeah. from your pocket. Right. So like the basically the rents, the market rents um uh don't they're not comparable to the price tag of getting into a property, you know. So like the numbers just rarely ever work out. Doesn't mean that you can't you can't find great cash flow properties in both of our markets, right? The Bay Area and Hawaii. But it's it's likely you'll get a much higher return in different in other markets, you know, and hopefully it's emerging markets where, right. you know, you're catching it on the way up, right, in that area. Yeah, yeah. So you ride appreciation as well as cash flow and and everything after that comes with that, you know, tax savings. Yeah, so. yeah and I call those markets as hybrid markets, right? It gives you both like how Dallas and Austin were not anymore. But mm-hmm. they used to give you, you know, cash flow plus appreciation. Uh, and then there are some markets in Midwest and um, Southeast where you just get cash flow. You know, exactly. 
Right. What's your investment criteria when you are looking at flipping a property? Um, so our investment criteria is we look at two metrics and that's the net profit and the, the ROI. Okay. So um, we try to basically only do deals that's going to net us $100,000. So six figures at the end of the, the project. Um, in Hawaii, it's very doable because since it is high dollar. Yeah, you know, in California. <laughs> right, it's, it's expensive, but you can also make a lot because because it's expensive right if you can get a really solid deal you know you think typically you have thicker margins so for us we look at you know how much are we going to make dollar wise and then what is the return that we're getting because we want to make sure that every dollar that we put out we know how much dollars that that's going to that dollar is going to bring back um so we're making the best use of our our capital and for us we want to make like a minimum of 30 to 35% ROI on our private capital. So the way we stack our financing when we flip houses, cause we like, we control millions of dollars of real estate in multiple markets without any of our money in, you know, we, we have some money in, but um, most of it is other people's money. And we stack um, hard money financing as the primary debt and then we, we bring in gap funding. So private lenders to fill the gap. Right. Um, and what we base our ROI on how much money are we getting in return of our private capital, our gap funding, because hard money, like once you get qualified and build a great relationship with them, they have unlimited capital right. um, up to a certain LTV, yeah. right? So um, you still have to put some skin in the game whether it's your capital or private investor, right? So we look at um, the ROI based on our private capital because that's what's really being tied up. And that's what's, for most people, the scarce, um, I guess, uh, resource in, in our industry is private capital. So just because like, let's say we have to tie up a million dollars and we're gonna net a hundred grand, um, would we do that deal? I mean, it's a six figure deal right? But with that million dollars, we could have done maybe three deals and made 300,000, right. the same amount of money, right? So I, we probably wouldn't do that deal if we're going to tie up a million dollars and, and net a hundred grand. Cause so even though it met one of our metrics, which is a yeah, six year deal, <laughs> the ROI is like 10%, right? Basically right. my investors get paid more than I do. Um, and I'm doing all the work and taking all the risk, you know? So yeah, that's the way we look at deals. Hey, uh, and what kind of terms are you getting from your hard money lender for um, these deals? Um, for standard fix and flip, I mean, we'll, we'll get up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the renovation budget. Um, I, yeah, so it went, it was harder as after COVID. Um, yeah. But for experienced investors who have done like five deals or more in the last three to five years, um, you can hit the higher leverages, like 90% of the purchase, 100% of the renovation budget. Yeah, interest was like about 9%, two points before COVID. Now it's roughly about, I'd say anywhere from 10 to 12%, two to three points. Oh, wow. okay. Gotten more expensive. Um, right. The leverages has gone down, but overall it's still doable. You know, if you got a good deal, it's hard money is still a viable option. 
Okay. And, and uh, let's say if you are investing in a fix and flip deal as private money lender, what kind of uh, returns you would expect? Um, as a private money lender, I'd probably expect 10 to 12% okay. interest return, APR, simple interest. Um, if, if I'm putting up like majority or all of the gap funding, then I may, you know, ask for some equity or ask for some sort of um, debt and equity uh, structure. But for the most part, 10 to 12% APR, I'd expect. And, and the reason I asked is that we are starting to, to uh, a build uh, of brand new construction, single family houses in Tehachapi market, which is close to Bakersfield. And we are looking for private money lenders. And so of course we are offering same thing, 11 to 12%. So I just wanted to make sure um, and um, understand how it works on your side of the world. <laughs> right, yeah, it sounds it sounds very similar, okay. you know, the going rate. <laughs> Which makes sense. So uh, another question I have about fix and flip is should someone start fixing and flipping in their own backyard before venturing out? Um, I would suggest that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wish I could confidently say, no, you can do this anywhere. And, right. you know, you can do this from your computer and stuff. And yeah. that is the case. I mean, like with today's new world, you know, I, I know many people who do that, you know, they, they renovate properties and they refi out later to hold it long-term and they've never even seen the property or step foot in the property, right. which uh, to me is amazing. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, we kind of do the same thing too. You know, we, we flip houses in multiple markets and, right. but we also have crew on the ground, you know, we have boots yes. on the ground, people that we've, we trust. And we've been um, back and forth from these markets um, constantly, you know, right. so we're, we're always there. Well, before COVID right. I was traveling a lot. <laughs> so, but I, I, I would recommend, yes, try to look in your backyard and, just it's it's good practice for fundamentals anyways is you know understanding what type of market you're in first of all um and then what what cycle is your market in you know cuz even with all, everything that's going down with the economy and the housing market um just because you know your certain markets like Hawaii is booming and it's white hot it doesn't mean that every single market across the nation is the right. same Right. Um, so like for Hawaii, we were notoriously low in inventory. Um, so that's always the reason why the, the cost of living um, and the price for the median single family house keeps going up. But especially now when inventory is extra low, um, basically, you know, big chunk of foreclosure in just uh, inventory hasn't hit the market yet. And, um, you know, earlier people were afraid to put their houses on market um during covid because they're thinking oh we, we can't have open house so yeah, exactly <laughs> i don't want people walking through my house while i'm you know so um there was a huge shortage of inventory and i was thinking okay once we do start opening back up and having open houses and putting everyone's now all this backed up inventory getting ready to hit the market i was thinking well when that happens, that's going to be the first test to see what happens to the, the market, you know, and uh, the inventory came out and basically the, it didn't slow down. Yeah. So, and it's, it's the low interest rates as well. Right. So it's, uh, right. it's just the perfect storm for this market. Money. 
right? So uh-huh. yeah, it's the same issue with you know Bay Area as well. It's all about supply and demand, and I agree. Uh, the inventory itself, because I also saw that if the seller did not need to sell, why would they even try to sell the house, right? Why do we want to move out during COVID, right? In the middle of COVID, right. so. So last year uh, in 2020, I was looking at and the inventories were between 40 to 70% lower than year before, right? So that's huge. Yeah. Because of course that's gonna, you know, <laughs> well, increase the pricing, right? Because the demand is still there. Yep. So, and I always talk about the real estate cycle as well as you mentioned that real estate is, is something where even if the market corrects, not all of the markets in US will go down together. It is not similar to stock market. And I keep mentioning this again and again, that if Brexit happens, not the entire world stock market, you know, how, how it went down, that's not how real estate would react. Because if the markets in California or Arizona, when they went down, even you know Dallas and other parts of the countries, country were still doing good, right? So right. Um, yeah, that's how the cycles work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So understanding, you know, your local market, and then, and then looking at uh, what strategy best fits your current situation, and what strategy best fits your current market that you're you're living in you know and uh and then start right there and for me i had nothing when i started i had no money um no connections and actually like no no knowledge either i kind of just picked up and went and stumbled a lot along the way but i wasn't afraid to ask questions you know and i I was very uh i'm an introvert you know and when i would go to like conferences or any type of seminar or free training, like I would be the guy in the back row closest to the exit that, you know, never raised his hand, never asked the question, but I was there, I was present and I was taking notes and I would write down, you know, words that I didn't understand at the time and go home and Google it and try to piece everything together, you know? (laughs) So that's the guy who I was. And, uh, but I was, you know, I was still learning um, in my own way, in which way that made me comfortable. And uh, might've took me a little longer, maybe, because I was a little, um, I guess, shamed to ask questions. Yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. You know, looking back, you know, I shouldn't have, but um, I, I think everyone's on their own journey, right? Their own path. And there's no one way. Uh, there's, you know, people have left roadmaps before us, you know, who've come through and built a lot of wealth through real estate and helped a lot of people and made a huge impact. So the the roadmap is there, but the journey will be different for everybody. Got it. So uh, I, this may be a curveball, but I, I want to understand because I always thought fix and flip means you end up paying a lot of taxes. Mm-hmm. So. How does taxes work in fix and flip, right? Do you, how, how do you circumvent? Is there a way to circumvent? Because if you keep the property for less than a year, of course, you um, are hit with the short-term capital gains, right? Right. Well, um, <clears throat> to be honest, like I, I never really, I never really worried about that, about taxes um, because it, short-term capital gains is, it is what it is. Yeah. You got to pay it. And, uh, uh, I, f- I feel 
like when you're going into anything like fix and flip or ground up construction or wholesaling, you got to think of it as kind of what it is. It's active income, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the point when we flip houses and when we, if we, if we wholesale or do ground up construction and development, it's, it's just a short term play, you know, um, we're not going to be house slipping forever. You know, even though it fulfills me and I take a lot of, we make a huge impact, you know, like a lot of people benefit from us taking on the risk of doing a project, you know, from realtors and escrow agents and even termite inspectors and photographers and stagers, you know, everyone. And of course the buyer. (laughs) Yeah. The buyer, of course, our private lenders, you know, they have a great investment vehicle through us. Um, Our contractors get jobs. So we make a huge impact and that's why it's very fulfilling. Um, But it's never going to be our forever thing, you know, because it's just, it's just another tool to get us to the end goal, which is wealth creation and passive, um, you know, passive income and passive financial freedom, you know? So um, we, we do do a lot of equity deals like fix and flip in Hawaii and Seattle, but you know, all that money and any of those profits go back to our companies or it goes back into investing in passive income, whether it's rentals or lending, you know, lending it out to other investors. That's, that's the, that's the roadmap for us. That's exactly where I was going. So uh, how do your passive investors or the, you know, the private money lenders get paid? Do they, do they get like interest income and uh, are they able to use that, uh, use that interest income as a passive income? Because if they had a passive loss from another syndication, do you know how, how that works? Yeah. So, um, at least for our lenders, it's a little different than like investing in a syndication right. as an LP or something like that. Um, they, because it's more of a debt, it's, yes. it's a debt yeah, position. Yep. <clears throat> so um, they, they get a promise rate of return. They get a promissory note, they get a mortgage. Um, so we give them as the borrower, you know, we'll give them a promissory note and a mortgage in exchange for their investment. Um, So the promissory note and the mortgage will secure our investors capital and their investment against the property, right? So the property is their collateral. And then we also get, you know, we always get property insurance and uh, title insurance, which here's the asset to which the money is um collateralized on you know i mean so we we for the most part private lending you know is a powerful way to build your wealth passively um and i always say like when you're raising capital it should never feel like you are selling somebody you know, the moment you feel like you're trying to sell someone to invest in you, I think you're doing it wrong, you know, (laughs) and uh, because it's not, it shouldn't be about selling somebody uh, investing with you. It should be about educating them because when when you think about the fundamentals of investing, whether it be in real estate or Bitcoin or whatever, it always comes down to what's my risk 
and what's my return? Yeah. And is the return worth the risk? Right. That's that's what it comes down to. So when I'm trying, when I teach other people like when you, like how to raise private capital, it's it, it should be easy. It should be genuine, because if you think about it, what we get, we offer our investors, it basically beats out the majority of invest, investment vehicles out there right now. You know, so we offer, let's say, 12 percent return interest. Right. Um, so that is exponentially higher than the, you know, average day investment vehicles out there, like a 401k, a mutual fund or whatever, you know? So when it comes to what's my return, well, we offer exponentially higher rate of return than most investment vehicles out there. Now, when it comes to, okay, well, what's my risk though? Right. And well, you always have risk in any venture that you go into, whether it's investing in real estate or anything else. Of course, there's risk. Nothing is 100% certain, but real, investing in real estate as a private lender can be a lot more secure than maybe putting your money in with a, a brokerage that's managing your, your retirement you know, and taking fees. Because, I mean, if the market crashes, if the stock market crashes and your money's all in there, you kind of just got to hope and pray it comes mm-hmm. back right. or, or got to sell and cut your losses. There is no collateral is what right. I'm saying, yep. Yep. you know? So exactly. now what's the likelihood of that happening? Maybe once every 10 years or so, or, you know, every cycle, every major cycle, right. but you don't want to be caught in the, on the, in the down, you know? So a lot of people got wiped out in 2008, 2009. <clears throat> so, um, but a lot of people got wiped out in real estate too, right? So yeah, when you are over leveraged, right? And you don't exactly. have a plan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in real estate though, you do have collateral in a tangible asset. Yes. Right? It's a real and, asset. Uh, exactly. And so is it more secure? It is more secure than most investment vehicles out there because you get collateral in a tangible asset. And the other thing is, all of my investors know me. They know where I live. They have my direct number. Whereas, let's say you invest in, you know, space or uh, Tesla. I, I don't know. know where Mark Zuckerberg lives. Right. I don't know where, I don't know where this Bezos guy is. You know, like, what is he right. doing with his, what's the plans right. for, you know, and exactly. usually in the stock market, as a retail investor, you know, we're the last to know, you know. Yeah. So, like, um, I don't like, I like the odds being stacked in our favor, Right. Just as like when I'm done and I, my plan is just to, you know, I'll, I'll have some cash flow properties for sure, but I'm just going to lend. I'm going to live off the interest. That's right. ultimately right. passive income. Right. You know, and so. other thing to mention when you're comparing stocks, right, because here you are able to invest in, you know, the person as well as the deal. Right. In in uh, Facebook or Apple, I cannot say, oh, I only want to invest in iPod or iPhones, right? You are right. investing in the entire business and they may mess up that product or a new product or a new deal, right? Um, so, but here you are basically literally analyzing that particular deal at that point of time, right? So you have a lot more control over where your money goes. Exactly, exactly. Oh, this was awesome. So let's take a quick break, Corey. And after the break, we'll go through the fire round. Awesome. 
You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have Corey Nimoto with me. Corey, are you ready for fire round? I am ready. Okay. Would <laughs> you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus is over? Um, yes, we have. Um, I um, and it's not uh, really anything. It's it's kind of like for coronavirus and two is I want, I'm going to be focusing more on building out our fund so that we can help finance other investors and give them the capital. Um, we have a lot of big plans, you know, for this new company. So after COVID, you know, especially since uh, I think the market will still hold strong for, you know, until they start to talk about increasing interest rates. So in the meantime, I'm focused on uh, um, selling the rest of my projects, you know, and then I'm going to take a little break. You know, I know the team wants a little break too, and we're going to focus on building out our fund, but we'll be back. (laughs) Absolutely. Favorite real estate or finance or maybe a personal development book. Ooh, okay. Um, favorite real estate book. I, I like, um, I guess Jay Scott's book. I don't know if you read it. Um, yeah. And, uh, partly because I, I think I, I loved it. It's been a, a while since I read it, but, um, it was a lot of tangible content for me when I was first starting out. Um, so I, I, that's one of my favorite books, um, about real estate and, Favorite, I guess, non-real estate book would have to be uh, The Go-Giver, for sure. Oh, man. Okay. You got me there. That's my favorite book. I even had Bob Berg on my podcast last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's awesome, and I love that book. Someone, oh. gave, Yeah, someone gave it to me, like, I would say three years ago, and I just fell, or a couple of years ago, I fell in love with that book. And it's so small, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot agree <laughs> anymore. It's, it's a great book, man. Yeah. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without in your particular business? Man, these are great questions. So um, I, I guess for me, there's a, there's a site called tomatotimer.com. Tomato timer. Huh? It's just tomato hyphen <laughs> timer. All it is, is like a 20, like a, it's like a t- countdown clock, you know? Okay. And uh, cause it's, it's based off the Pomodoro method, which is like you work for 25 minutes, you know, undistracted um, on one task. Yeah. And when you hit 25 minutes, you take like a five minute break right. um, and then you go back. So I haven't gotten to the point where I'm consistent and very disciplined on time blocking and that. But right now, like that, that's one of my go to sites. Just put that thing up. Hit the hit the start button and get going. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start using it too. That's one of the problem I'm facing, and and I think that's the problem every entrepreneur or real estate investor who is trying to scale up will face, right? Because it's either distraction, procrastination, or you know something else that just comes right. up, right? So I'm gonna start look, using that too. <laughs> <laughs> And this is an important question, actually. Any advice for beginner investors? Um, for beginner investors, um, the best advice I can give is first look 
inward, like find out what value you have to give. Um, and everybody has value, you know, whether it's your time and sweat equity, maybe you do have money and you're willing to pay to play, you know, willing to find out who's a trustworthy and experienced investor who's doing what you want to do. And, you know, maybe lend some money to that investor and become a partner and learn, you know, um, or invest your time and your energy in helping that person, but find out what you have to offer. And then I would say, go out and find out who are the players in your market that you want to play ball in. Find out who, who's the players and find out their needs and give them value, whether it's your time, your energy, your money, your contacts, find a way to bring value to them and learn as much as you can. Because the, the formula is the same to kick down the doors in any market. Honestly, we've done it multiple times. And what you really have to do is find out who the players are. So you have to embed in the market, learn about the market, who's the players there, who's actually doing deals and find out if that person is someone that fits, you know, your moral compass, your, you know, the way you do business um, and bring value to them, you know, find a way, how can you help them? And if you just focus your energy on finding out who are the players that are making a, an impact in that market and finding a way to serve them without any expectations of any returns, magic will happen. You know, you will do deals. You will break through in the market faster than anybody else who's trying to be out there by themselves, trying to figure it out by themselves. You know, like if you find the right partner or mentor, they'll help you cut through the fat real quick. And, and you'll know what to focus on and what not to focus on. But in order to do that, I'd say you first have to find out what you have to offer and what you're willing to offer um, someone else and then go find that someone else and give it to them. Like it, it, it's not tangible real estate um, advice. Like, you know, go pull, go pull this list, use this marketing piece. No, you know, um, it's not that advice, but it is worth more. I can tell you that, you know, That's like awesome. intangible is so much more powerful than the tangible. Don't worry about what list you're going to pull or what marketing piece you're going to pull. Right. Worry about what you have to offer and then worry about, who you're going to offer that to, yeah. you know? So like, that's really how you break through this industry. We've done it multiple times in, in multiple markets. Oh, that is awesome. How do you give back? Well, um, there's a lot, I mean, more recently, um, we, I've been bringing on, I've been coming, starting to get comfortable in the role of, of being um, a mentor you know, to others. And uh, I have two interns um, that are kind of up and coming, young and hungry, you know, and uh, um, th I'm helping them. Um, so there's a lot of time that's given there. And it's very fulfilling to me, to be honest. And I'm not in the business to sell coaching programs and stuff like that. Um, but I can see why some people may do that because it's fulfilling, you know, I mean, pro and also it's a probably a profitable business. You know, <laughs> I don't know the economics behind that, but, um, but I know if, like for me and myself, like I'd do it for free if I had all the time in the world, you know? And so I, I try to give back by, you know, helping other investors 
on their way up, you know, and, and we also have uh, foundations that we donate to like the Mercy Housing Foundation and because like giving, giving back is very important as well. Yeah, right. It is very important. Mm-hmm. So how can my listeners reach out to you? Um, I like social media just directly to my personal accounts because uh, then I can interact with everybody and, you know, we can kind of get straight to it. They can see what we're all about. Um, Cause I kind of post uh, as much as I can, <laughs> like uh, the stuff that we do and uh, we do some fun stuff. But uh, they can catch me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, my handle is just at Corey.Nimoto on, on both Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to reach out. You know, if you guys need anything, um, just let me know. And I can, I'll do my best to, to help help you guys or anyone else. Hey, Corey, this was so amazing, man. I learned a lot. Thank you so much. No, thank you, brother. And I really appreciate your time and, and bringing me on. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.